tonight we're going to talk about uh, four ways to hear God's voice, four ways to hear God's voice, or three ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us, or excuse me, four ways the Holy Spirit speaks to us. So um, I think this is important because lots of people want to hear God's voice, and sometimes they get confused. Did I hear God's voice? Did I not hear God's voice? Is it something that I did, or is it my own thoughts? Is it really God? How do you know that you are hearing God's voice? How many would agree with me that you want to hear God's voice? Every one of us wants to hear God's voice. We want to be in tune to the Lord. We want to do what the Lord wants us to do. And we want ultimately we want to hear his voice. And I want to say this, and I think it's important to say, is that uh, God God talks to people who pray. <laughs> you know, if, if, if you don't pray, uh, somebody said somebody said like this, short prayers reach the throne room if you don't live too far away. In other words, prayer brings you close. Um, uh, prayer should create the moment, but if you're lazy or immature, the moment will eventually create the prayer. I'm going to say that again because I think it's important. Prayer should create the moment, but if you're lazy or immature, the moment will eventually create the prayer. So God talks to praying people. Prayer is simply a dialogue to God. You don't have to use fancy words. It's simply communication with God, and communication is both ways. You speak, and then you allow him to speak. In my own personal prayer life, I, uh, I'm trying to develop the discipline of solitude, just listening and reflecting. After I'm talking, after I'm done speaking to the Lord, I want to sit there and reflect and listen, because sometimes God wants to speak to us, but he can't speak to us because we're doing all the talking. So we need to remember that when we're praying, we need to have a time of reflection and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And sometimes we don't like to be in a quiet room. We don't like to be quiet. Uh, you know, if you're like me, I like I'm an extrovert. I like noise. I like to be with people. I like to have the TV on. Uh, but when you're with the Lord, I think it's good that we set the cell phone aside we get quiet after you're done talking. You allow the Lord to speak to you. So there should be a time of reflection and uh, and solitude. Rest your mind. Rest your heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. But then the question is, is how do you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you? He speaks to praying people, but how do you know he speaks to you? And I'm going to explain a few principles uh, to help you understand how the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Um, you, you know, I... Uh, you know, your prayer closet can be any place. Um, remember Jonah, uh, Jonah in the Bible, his prayer closet was a well. You know, so, you know, the Bible says in Jonah chapter 2, he cried out to the Lord in the belly of the well. His prayer closet was in the well. So sometimes God, God allows crisis to happen so that he can develop us into a person of prayer. God sometimes allow crisis to happen so he can draw us to him. And sometimes if we're immature, we will judge a crisis as if it's the enemy. And then we will, we will distance ourselves from the church and we will distance ourselves from God. We will distance ourselves from prayer and Bible reading because of crisis. We think it's the enemy. We think it's a spiritual attack. And because it's the enemy and it's a spiritual attack, we become discouraged and we back away from spiritual disciplines. We back away from prayer and Bible reading and church attendance and witnessing and fasting and giving.
we back away from those spiritual disciplines because we become discouraged and we think that it's the enemy at war against us or we think we've done something wrong or God's too far away or something's wrong with us. But it, that, that's, the, that's an immature, to look at, immature way to look at it. Crisis happens in your life to draw you close to God and not draw you away from God. God uses crisis to draw you to him, all right? Just like Jonah. Jonah had a crisis. He was thrown overboard off of the ship, but the well, the fish, became his prayer closet. And I'm asking you today, let this pandemic become a prayer closet for you. Let crisis let it make you into a person of prayer. Let it make use that as an opportunity, as a growth to allow God to develop you into a prayer, a person of prayer. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And if you read on in, in Psalms chapter uh, 23, he says, you maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He said, you make me to lie down in green pastures. And what does he mean? You make me lay down on all four of my limbs. I, I'm crawling. I'm, I'm, I'm down. In other words, God will put you in situations where he will make you to lie down in green pastures. Amen. He will make you to lie down in green pastures. If you're not willing to lay down yourself, God will put you in a situation where he will make you to lie down in green pastures. You may say, well, pastor, that's rude of the Lord to do that. Well, if you claim the Lord to be your father, if he is your father and you are the child, then he has the right to discipline us. He has the right to bring us into a situation to cause us to grow. Am I right? Any parent wants their child to grow. Any parent wants their child to do what's best. Any, any parent wants their child to be challenged to grow. And if you claim the, if you claim God to be your father and you claim to be in relationship with him, then you have given him the permission to correct you and to put you in situations that will make you pray. Amen. So don't look at this crisis as an opportunity to slack from God, to be social distance from God, but use this opportunity as a grow, as a, as a, as an attitude of growth where God is pulling you to himself. He uses crisis to draw you to himself. He makes you to lie down in green pastures. Amen. If you will honor God with your time, God will honor you with his voice. I'm going to say that again. If you honor God with your time, God will honor you with his voice. Say that with me. If you honor God with your time, God will honor you with his voice. I'm going to say that again. If you honor God with your time, he will honor you with his voice. Honor him with your time. All throughout the scriptures, all throughout the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, you see men and you see women of God getting up early to pray, especially David. You look at the Psalms, he got up early to pray. Now, I've often thought about why did he get up early? Why couldn't he pray during the daytime? And he did pray during the daytime. But David had the attitude that if God is going to be number one in my life, then he deserves to be number one in every area of my life. So the very first thing that I do in the morning when I get up is I pray. He deserves all of it. I surrender to him. He deserves number one. I'm not telling you that you've got to get up early in the morning to pray. I am telling you the principle is, is that if you claim, if you claim God to be your father, 
then he has the right to put you in situations to cause you to grow and to challenge you. Amen. If you honor God with your time, he will honor you with his voice. Amen. And listen, it, without, without a devotional life, you're going to have an emotional life. So it's important that we develop a prayer life. Without a, a, without a devotional life, you will have an emotional life. And it's important to develop a prayer life now. And uh, when you don't feel like praying, you need to talk to God about it, you know. You need to talk to God about it when you don't feel like praying. Even when you don't feel like praying, talk to God because that's still prayer. Amen. Amen. God is good. God is good. So I want to um, I want to tell you a few things, to, a few principles to remind you of how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Uh, number one, and there's multiple ways, and this doesn't necessarily, this is not necessarily the correct order. This is just, I'm just giving it to you. Um, Number one, I would say that God does use people. God does use people to speak to us. Now, it's very, very important that you understand this. Very important that you understand this. Pastor Josh, by no means, is telling you that um, you should listen to someone who tells you things outside of the scriptures. Everything I'm telling you should be in line with the word, should be in line with scripture. Scripture is supreme. Scripture is our authority. Amen. It's scripture first, then it's tradition, then it's reason, and then it's experience. It's like a chair. Amen. Uh, the, the seat of the chair is scripture. Under the scripture, you have reason, you have tradition, and you have experience. Those things support scripture. Amen. So look at it like a chair. Okay. This is like a chair. The, 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 pat, the, the seat is scripture. All right. The seat is scripture. Underneath the seat, you have you have experience, you have reason, and you have tradition. Those things support scripture. So in other words, you should never exalt uh, experience over scripture. You should never exalt tradition over experience. And, and although God has given you a mind and, a, and reason and logic, scripture comes first. Listen, the, the trinity... The Trinity is a mystery. Logically, I can't figure out the Trinity, but I accept it because the Scripture tells me to accept it. Even though the word Trinity is not in the Scriptures, but we know the concept of the Trinity is in the Scripture. See, that, that defiles my logic. i got to accept it by faith. And so ver the very first thing I want you to see when I'm talking about hearing the voice of God, number one, everything has to be in line with Scripture because Scripture is supreme. Scripture is our authority. And I want you to look at it like a seat. If you look at a seat or a chair, the seat is Scripture. That's number one. And underneath the seat, you have three legs that hold up the seat. You have reason tradition, and experience. Those three things support the scriptures, all right? They should point to the scriptures. So if you have an experience that's outside of scripture, then that's a red flag, all right? If you have, if you have an experience that's outside of the realm of scripture, then that is a red flag. If you are following traditions that's outside of scripture that contradicts scripture that's a red flag if if you are if you are believing something logically that's outside of scripture then 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 that's questionable listen the christianity is a reasonable faith there's enough things to prove that christianity is true and valid and that's another sermon okay so everything that we do 
we look to the scriptures, it is supreme. Scripture first, then you have tradition, reason, experience that supports the scriptures, all right? That supports it, and it should point to the scriptures, all right? Amen. So, so when I'm talking about hearing the voice of God, we always want to point to scripture. Now, I want to tell you this. Remember what the Apostle Paul said? He said, I think it's in Galatians, and I stand to be corrected, but I think it's in Galatians. He said, if an angel comes to you and preaches you another gospel, then you let him be accursed. So even the Apostle Paul said, if you had this angelic visitation and an angel came to you and gave you this message, if it's not the same thing that Paul said, I taught you, then it is not the gospel. It is not the gospel. So it doesn't matter how grand the experience may be. It doesn't matter how grand the experience and visitation that you may have had. If it's against scripture, then you are to reject it. Now, in all my years of pastoring, I've heard lots of people say lots of things. I mean, I've heard people tell me that their their dead mother came to visit them at night I've, or their grandmother came at night. Listen, we have to be careful. I'm not saying that your experience is uh, didn't happen. But you can you cannot deem every experience as 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 from God. You can't do that. All right. You have to judge it by Scripture because that is what's given to us, and that's how we can judge things. Amen. We gotta test the spirits to see whether they're of God or not. You know, because even even the Apostle John says, "Believe not every spirit." He uh, he says the the Antichrist spirit is going into the world. He says you got to test the spirits to see whether they're of God or not. And so we got to test them, and we got to test them according to Scripture. Amen. Can I hear an amen? So the first thing that I want you to see is that God can speak through people. So how can the Holy Spirit speak to me? How can I know the voice of God? Well, number one, God, the Holy Spirit can speak to you through people, through people. And that that truth is found in Scripture. And how do I know that? Well, there's a story in the book of Acts chapter number 11. Acts chapter number 11, verse number 27 through number 30. Acts chapter 11, verse 27 through number 30. I just want to read it to you very quickly. And in those days, the prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and stood up and showed by the spirit that there was going to be a great famine all throughout the world. Then the disciples, each one according to their ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. Isn't that interesting? So the Bible says in Antioch, all the prophets came and one of the prophets was Agabus and it was showed to Agabus by the Holy Spirit that there was going to be a great famine. So Agabus gets up and shares with everybody what the Holy Spirit revealed to him, and it came true. And all the disciples responded because they had the witness of the Spirit. They knew it was true, and they responded, each one giving according to their ability so that they could help those believers who were experiencing the famine. So number one, God speaks through people. He does speak through people if it's in line with the scriptures, all right? If it's, now listen, if you're married and, and, and you think the Lord is telling you to marry somebody else, that's not the word, folks. That's not the Bible. <laughs> Can I hear an amen? God would never tell you to, to, to go marry somebody else if you're married. God ain't gonna tell you to do that. All right, I'm sorry. And we got to test things by the word. All right, you got to test things by the word. All right, I mean, there are some things 
There are some things I could tell you that people have told me, but I'm not going to get into all that. That's why it's important to test everything with Scripture. Uh, you know, also the Bible is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I think beginning with verse number 8, uh, the gifts of the Spirit, uh, the, the charisma of the Spirit, uh, the, uh, the gifts of the Spirit was given to the church. Why was the gifts of the Spirit? Now, we say there's nine gifts, but actually I believe there's more than just nine gifts, all right? Uh, and those gifts were given to us for the edification of the body of Christ. And a part of those gifts of the Spirit is the spirit of uh, the gift of wisdom and the gift of knowledge and the gift of discernment. And so the Holy Spirit can give you these gifts so that it can be revealed to you uh, things that's in the body of Christ or things that's coming as long as it's in line with Scripture. So the Holy Spirit does speak to us. I remember one time, I remember one time I was at my house, I was praying and I was I was actually, I was grieved in my spirit. I was praying and I was speaking in tongues. I can tell you where I was sitting. Um, I was sitting at the end of my couch and there was, uh, I had the lamp on. I had my Bible open and I had my face down and I was crying actually. And I was praying to the Lord and I was telling the Lord my heart, uh, I felt, I, and I felt kind of grieved and my heart was crushed and and I didn't know what to say to the Lord. And I was praying and I was crying to the Lord. And 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 and, and I, I didn't know. I felt so grieved that it felt like my heart was going to explode. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience before. But as I was praying, this is this is so powerful because I was praying and asking the Lord to help me or to relieve this. I as I was praying, Jennifer Rucker, who attends our church, I'll never forget this experience. Jennifer Rucker sends me a message while I was praying. And she said, Pastor, I hope her words were, Pastor, I hope I'm not disturbing you this evening. Because I, as I was praying, I heard my phone was sitting beside me. And, and, and I try to not to check my phone while I'm praying, but I heard my phone go off. And so, um, you know, I just glanced at it and I saw Jennifer Rucker's message. And she said, Pastor, I hope I'm not disturbing you tonight. But she said, I saw your picture at my house. I had, she had a picture of me where she prays over me. And she said, I saw your picture tonight. And she said, I felt grieved in my heart. And she said, I, I knew physically you were okay, but spiritually there was something wrong. You were crying out to the Lord. And she said, the Lord immediately apprehended me to tell you tonight that the Lord is going to rescue you. The Lord is going to relieve you. And the Lord is going to bring about deliverance to you in X amount of days. And I'm going to tell you, God answered that request. God answered that request. The Lord knew what I was dealing with. And so I am telling you, folks, God can speak to people. God can speak to people. Amen. God can speak to people. Number two, uh, God speaks through our conscience. Everybody say conscience. God speaks through our conscience. Our conscience is our emotion, our, is our thought process, our thinking process, all right? And it's interesting to me that in 1 John, now listen, if you are born again, if you love Jesus and confess Jesus as your Savior, because people will say, you know, the heart is wicked above everything else. You've heard people say that. The heart is deceitful above anything else. Well, that's Old Testament, yes. But if you've been converted and you've, you've accepted Jesus, you have a new nature now. You've got the nature of Jesus on the inside of you. So your heart is not deceived and your heart is not deceitful. All right. So if you've accepted Jesus and you're in fellowship with the Lord, you've got a new heart. All right. Your conscience has been sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so uh, so the Bible says the Holy Spirit can speak to you 
through your conscience. And there's many scriptures can speak this. Listen, if your conscience bothers you and nags you, you know something's wrong. Something's wrong. I remember one time um, I, we, we had a church uh, years ago, years ago, uh, we had a church business meeting. And this was, I think, was that messenger. Well, anyway, we voted on something and whatever. And I went home and could not sleep all night because my conscience bothered me. I got up the next morning, called the church board, and they, they agreed with me. And so I went back and we reversed the decision uh, because my conscience bothered me, you know, and I just, it wasn't nothing bad. It wasn't sinful. It wasn't illegal. It wasn't unethical. It was just, I didn't feel like it was God's will. And so my conscience bothered me. And so you got to pay attention to the nagging conscience that you have. And some people just ignore their conscience. And listen, if you continue to ignore your conscience, that's what we call being backslidden. Your conscience has been seared by a hot iron because you have ignored it so much. So don't ignore your conscience. Don't ignore the still small voice. Don't ignore the, the, the gentle prompting of the spirit, that gentle nagging in your heart that could be the Holy Spirit speaking to you. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, and I want you to see verse number 21. 1 John chapter 3 verse 21. Listen to John. He said this, Beloved, if our conscience does not condemn us, then we have confidence before God. Isn't that amazing? Listen to that. He says, 1 John 3, 21, Beloved, if our conscience does not condemn us, then we have confidence before God. In other words, there is no confidence before God if your conscience is bothering you. There is no confidence if there is no, uh, if, if there's no co confidence with God if your conscience is condemning you or bothering you. Amen. And so we got to pay attention to our conscience. Amen. You say, well, pastor, my conscience has bothered me over this, but it, but I know it's not something sinful. Listen, it doesn't always have to be sin that the Holy Spirit is convicting you over. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is convicting you over certain things in your life that may not be sinful, but certain things that's obstacles that will hinder you from growing. Let me, I can't say this loud enough. The Holy Spirit is about you growing. He is not necessarily about you being comfortable. If we can just get rid of this Western mindset, this Western Christianity mindset where the Lord wants me to be comfortable, the Lord wants me to be satisfied, the Lord wants me to be pampered. The Lord is not after that. The Lord is your father. You are the child and fathers want their children to grow. Amen. And so the Holy Spirit don't necessarily, the Holy Spirit will convict you if there's sin in your life, but sometimes the Holy Spirit will convict you over other things that may not be sinful because he wants you to grow and he knows those things are obstacles, will are hindrances from your growth. Listen, you, there comes a time in your growth in God that you've got to challenge everything that you're attached to. Amen. You got to challenge everything that you're attached to. You got to challenge your attachments. Somebody say that with me. I got to challenge my attachments. Say that again. I got to challenge my attachments. If you are attached to anything more than God, then God is going to put you in a place to bring you to a place where he is number one. You say, well, that's mean of God. No, it's not mean of God. If you have claimed God as your father, you are the child. And if you're in relationship with him and he is your father, then he has your best interest 
act hard. I'm about to shout up in my office. Somebody say amen. God is about sanctification. God is about growth. God is about progress. God is about movement. God is not stagnant. God is not in a rut. God is not nervous. God is not bankrupt. God is right now working even while you're waiting. Right now, God is pushing. Right now, God is a missionary God. God's always on the move. God is always wanting you to progress. If you are stagnant and you are stuck, that ain't God's will. God wants to push you. And sometimes we want to stagger and go back to what we know to be comfortable because the moment our flesh feels uncomfortable, we want to go back to what is comfortable. But don't let the devil deceive you. Don't let the devil deceive you to go back to what is comfortable. You got to press on to the mark of the prize of the high calling of God that's in Christ Jesus. He is all about you growing and sometimes growth is uncomfortable. Somebody say amen. Amen. If, if you have a desire to progress in God, then I'm telling you, God will take you on a journey. But if you're not interested in growing, if listen, you can be powerful or you can be pitiful, but you can't be both. You can't be both. You can be powerful or you can be pitiful, but you cannot be both. You got to decide, what am I going to do? You know what? The Bible says, Abraham staggered not at the promises of God. In other words, Abraham didn't stay stagnant. He didn't stay in a rut. He progressed in his faith to believe God, that God is able to do what God said he was going to do. And because God, because Abraham believed that, uh, you know, Sarah, they had the son of the promise, which is Isaac. I'm telling you, Abraham staggered not. He wasn't stagnant. He wasn't in a rut. He progressed in God. And I challenge you tonight, don't be stagnant. I'm challenging you tonight, don't go back. I'm challenging you, don't go back to what is comfortable. I'm challenging you to go forth and be powerful instead of being pitiful. Amen. So number one, the Holy Spirit can speak through people. And you speak through the gifts of the Holy Spirit as long as it's in line with the written scriptures, the written word of God. Number two, he speaks through our conscience. You got to be aware of that. Number three, he speaks through the Bible. Amen. He speaks through the word of God. I've already said that, but I'm going to say it again. He speaks through the Bible. Listen, people say, well, God hasn't spoken to me in a long time. Have you picked up the Bible? There is 1,066 pages in the Bible, and God has already said a lot of stuff. God wants to speak to you, and so pick up the Bible. Listen. Listen, I've asked you to read the Bible. I should not have to ask a church to read the Bible, but I'm asking you to read the Bible. I'm your pastor. I'm your coach. I'm reminding you to read the Bible. I want you to read the Bible. You say, Pastor, I'm behind. Well, keep pushing forward. The Bible is your food. Amen. The Bible is a hammer. Amen. If you want some obstacles out of your life, you got to use the Bible. You say, Pastor, I've read the book of Leviticus. It's boring. Listen, I know some of those books are boring, but you've got to change your mindset. What's happening in you is greater than what's happening to you. That even though there are some chapters that's boring, you've got to know that your spirit is receiving something even though your mind is unfruitful. The word of God is speaking to your inner man, is speaking to the spirit, and that's what's more important even though your mind can't comprehend it. What's happening in you is greater than what's happening to you. Amen. So number one, he speaks through people. He speaks through the gifts of the Spirit, but it has to be according to the Word of God. Number two, he speaks through our conscience. Number three, he speaks through the written Word of God. Have you picked up the Bible? The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter number uh, 3 and verse number 16. First, uh, excuse me, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 
16, all scriptures. Now, when, when, Paul, when, Tim, when Paul wrote this, he was referring to the Old Testament, but we know that this applies to the New Testament as well. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction that the man of God, excuse me, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What is the Bible for? Instruction. What is the Bible for? Correction. What is the Bible for? Reproof. It's food for us. So you've got to read it. You've got to get it inside of you. You've got to change your views, all right? You've got to change your perspective. You've got, to, you've got to look at the world through the lens of the Bible, all right? Through the lens of the Bible to create a Christian worldview. Amen. So the Bible, amen. Number four, how can God speak to us? Well, God can speak to you through nature. Now, listen, I'm not really a big nature guy. I mean, it's not like Pastor Josh gets up, you know, at six o'clock in the morning and, you know, uh, paints my face with camouflage and gets my gun out and my rifle and goes to the woods and, you know, kills a buck. That's just not me. I know y'all are laughing right now. I know Pastor Sean is laughing. That's just not me. Now, I think it's wonderful for people to do that. As a matter of fact, I've had two or three people offer to take me hunting. So I might take you up on the offer. I might, I might, you know what? I might grow. Amen. Is there anybody out there that wants to take me? I might grow. I know Bob Rucker said he'll take me. I might just grow that. Can you imagine? I think I need to take a picture of that, Ken. <laughs> I had to take a picture of him and show it to you all. But anyway, nature, you know, God can speak to you through nature. And you know, as I've gotten older, I appreciate nature more. I appreciate nature more. And it's impossible for you to go take a walk and not see the beauty of God, to see the mountains, to see the birds, to see the sky. Did you see the sky last night when the sun was going down? It was absolutely beautiful. It was just breathtaking. And so it's it, I don't understand how people can look at the world and the nature and the things around us and not see that there is a God, not see that there is a designer. This just didn't happen by accident. This just didn't happen just because a bunch of random cells decided to come together. I mean, there had to be a creator and a designer behind all of this. And when you go out into nature, you will see that there is a God and he really does speak to his creation. I mean, the Bible says the hills clap and sing for joy. The mountains sing, the, 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 the trees wave their hands, you know, the, the, the nature speaks to us. Do you know what the Bible says in Romans chapter number one, that everybody's without excuse. You say, well, pastor, what about people overseas that's never heard about Jesus? Uh, you mean to tell me they'll go to hell? Well, remember what I told you a few moments ago that God speaks through our conscience? It could be, you know, every civilization, every tribe, every kindred under the heaven there is a moral compass on the inside of us. There's, we know that there are certain things that's right and certain things are wrong. All of us have that moral compass that God has placed within us. And the Bible says that there, in Romans chapter one, that people will worship the creation and rather, rather than the creator. So the people, humanity, have, they have an innate desire to worship. Romans chapter one. God, God says that these people, he says they, they're they children of wrath. They decide to worship the creation rather than the creator, which tells me that humanity has an innate desire in them to worship something. And so if you are worshiping something and you want to worship, if you're in a pursuit to find the true God, God will reveal it to you. Remember Mars Hill? They were pagan. And so they made an altar to the unknown God. 
because they, they were hungry to find truth. If you are hungry to find truth and you are seeking truth, God will reveal himself to you. Amen. Man is without excuse. God will reveal himself to you. Go out in nature and you will see the handiwork of God. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 19 and verse number one, I want to read it to you. Psalm chapter 19 and verse number one, speaking of, speaking of nature. Amen. Psalm 19 and verse number one. Listen to the words of the psalmist David. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Isn't that wonderful? The firmament shows his handiwork. Amen. And what's what's the word firmament? It's the word, the, the expanse of heaven, all of heaven, everything in heaven shows the handiwork of God. All three heavens. You know, there's three heavens. It's, it's when you look up, you see the atmosphere. That's a heaven. Then you then out of space is a heaven. You know, galaxies is a heaven. And then God, where God dwells, is the third heaven. You know, the the expanse of heaven, all of it reveals the glory of God. Now, how is it that heaven and earth can reveal the glory of God and we not pay attention to the voice of God? God is speaking. Could it be that we're not hearing? Could it be that we're not hearing? Remember, the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 19 that God speaks in a still, small voice, a still, small voice. One of the early church fathers said it like this, never discount random thoughts, never discount random thoughts. Could it be? Don't discount random, spontaneous thoughts. You ever had a thought, just a fleeting thought, and you forgot about it? And I've had many of those thoughts, and, and I look back, and some of them came true. And maybe it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Amen. And I want you to pay attention. So number one, God speaks through people. God speaks through our conscience. He speaks through the written word. He also speaks through nature. You know, you say, well, pastor, what about dreams and visions and angels? You know, I would lump all of that under God speaks through man. God speaks to man uh, because all of those things may happen, but it has to be in line with scripture. Amen. I've had... I've had freaky people tell me lots of freaky things, you know, you know, that God told them lots of things. Listen, Billy Graham said, I've served the Lord all my life and I've only heard God three times in my life. Because in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, on many occasions, God spoke audibly. But in the New Testament, we are to walk in the spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides within us. He pushes us. He nudges us on the way. That's how he speaks to us. He speaks through our conscience. He nudges us. It's that still small feeling, that still small voice that we have. You may not hear God's voice audibly. All right. You could. It's possible. But he speaks through us through our spirit. He speaks through us through our conscience. Amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. So I want you to be encouraged. Now, how many knows that God, God wants to speak to you? Amen. He spoke to us through his son and he desires to speak to you. Amen. You say, well, pastor, I'm not qualified to hear God's voice. Well, listen, let's change our perspective. Nobody's qualified to do anything. Amen. All of us are made worthy because of the cross of Christ and because of what he has done. It has made us worthy. Okay. And so uh, God wants to speak to you. Let's remove the spirit wax from our ears. Amen. It's kind of like when we fast and pray. When we fast, we get ourselves in a position to hear God's voice. God's already speaking. He's already speaking. 
And so it gets us in a position to hear what God's already been saying. And so let's get in a position where God can speak to us because I believe he does want to speak to you. He desires to speak to you. Amen. He wants to speak to you. Amen. So I want you to lift up your hands right where you're at. And I want to pray over you tonight. All right. How many wants to hear God's voice? I believe that you do want to hear God's voice. Father, in the name of Jesus, the Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray for Christ Point Church. I pray that we would open our ears and our heart, that we would hear your voice tonight. Remove any obstacles or barriers that would hinder us from hearing your voice tonight. Let your voice, God, be loud and clear and give us an obedient heart, Lord, that we would hear your voice and follow your voice, that we would not have delayed obedience, but that we would be quickly obey your word tonight. I pray, Father, that that we be totally surrendered to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, tonight, if you're listening and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, maybe you've drawn cold, maybe you've walked away from the Lord right where you're at, say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I confess you as Savior. Jesus, I submit to you. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will come inside of you and he will live. Amen. Be encouraged tonight. Be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, our best days are ahead. Are you, can you just feel the anticipation? Can you feel the anticipation of what God is getting ready to do? I mean, the anticipation is thick. I feel it in the atmosphere. Amen. Expectation is the breeding ground of miracles. Expectation is the breeding ground of miracles. I feel an expectation in my heart, an expectation in my spirit for what God wants to do in your life and what God wants to do in this church. Amen. And uh, I'm anticipating great things. Amen. In the future. 